welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 15. I'm Ryan Persaud and with me is my co-host Alan Ibrahim. Hi Ryan. Hi Katie. Hi! You can't introduce <laughs> someone else during the intro. That's my job. I was trying to ping pong the introduction, so just boop right over to the next one. Oh, you're trying to change it up on yeah, me? Yeah, a little bit. Improv. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> Katie's back. I'm back. How are you, Katie? I'm good. You were literally unconscious when we <laughs> recorded the last episode. Indeed, I was. But Are you feeling better? I am. Yep, and I can actually like move and be awake now, so it's all good. Nice. <laughs> no guest this time. It's just us. Classic fireside. I got you to start saying classic. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> so this is either like a classic episode, or this is like a reboot because we have new podcast art from Katie, we do. which Heck looks yeah. amazing. You. Ah, that's too good. So is this the reboot or is this just going back to the classics? Is this the Weezer album where they tried to get their shit together or is this the reboot? <laughs> I think we it, need to decide this right now. I think it's the like not dark and gritty reboot. It's like the cute anime reboot because uh it's like fundamentally The chibi the chibi fireside friends. Yes. <laughs> oh my I'm God. down. Um no, because the art is, if people haven't seen it, you're looking at it. It's the podcast art. Um, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know what podcast player you use, but you probably probably saw it at this point. Yes. Uh, it's kind of, it's like a much cooler version of the idea behind the original one. Um, exactly. And uh, I love the colors. And I think if we were to like title this new season of our show, it would be called The Fireside Friends. Okay. Cool. Well, Katie, that means you got to add the the onto the art now. Yeah. Whoops. All right. It's coming. <laughs> Katie, since you were away last time, I'll let you go first in talking about stuff that you've been up to. All right, cool. Well, I've been up to a lot of stuff because it's been a pretty decent amount of time um, since the last time I was here. But I think one of the most prominent things I wanted to talk about first was a short anime I watched called She and Her Cat, Everything Flows. Um, It aired in March of this year. Um, and it's basically like a four episode series. Each episode is only five minutes long, so it's incredibly short. Um, but it's told from the perspective of a cat named Daru. And it's basically like just about the life of this girl. Um, and she has a cat and it's like she's fallen into a depression um, her friend moved out and now she's all alone and her life is in shambles, but her cat loves her and he's like, she's so beautiful and she's so kind and so sweet. I don't understand what she says to me, but I love her. And it's just like a really heart. I don't know. It this made me sounds cry. Very relatable. This sounds relatable. It is relatable. This I was sounds like, like the lives me. of most cat owners. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Just just to let you know, the ending is sad. Uh, uh-huh. It's like a sad, happy. It's it's very sad at one point, but then it's it's happy again. But I cried a lot, and um, mm-hmm. yep, that's one of the times where Eli was like, "Why do you do this?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I don't know. I just like anime a lot, and it makes me sad." Um, but it's very beautiful. Uh, again, it's like 
incredibly short. The entire series is the length of a normal episode of just one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tells a pretty, pretty intense story that I really related to. Um, and it's just, I wanted to watch it to be relaxing. And while it's relaxing, wow. it's also incredibly emotional at the same time. You also go ahead, Alan. I was gonna say I feel like there's a brand of chill anime out there, um, but it's a small subsection because most of it is like either really exciting or really depressing. Um, that's yep. just the nature of things. And then you gotta turn to stuff like Polar Bear Cafe or something, and that might even get sad. I haven't actually watched it. I've just always heard it's the like slice of life anime about the animals that run a cafe. But yep. <laughs> I bet you or there's a sad one? episode of that with the cat bananas. Yes, that's the one with the gap in it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Katie, you also got a PS4 between uh, your last appearance and this appearance. Exactly. I don't know why I say appearance like it's a <laughs> TV show, but. I'm an apparition. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did get a PS4. Um, that was basically a gift. Uh, so that was really cool. And since mm-hmm. I am a hashtag PC gamer. I was like, time to get Ooh. all the PS4 exclusives that I really wanted to play and haven't been able to. Yeah, you all two of you, them. Yeah, you asked me like, what PS4 games should I get? And then I was like, uh, Journey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did play a PS4 game. Yes, I did. I played Until Dawn. So. What do you think? That was an experience. Okay, so I actually really, really liked it. Um, mostly because, like, ever since I saw the movie The Ring at an incredibly young age, like six or seven, um, I was scarred for life. And no other <laughs> horror uh, media has really scared me uh, mm-hmm. since then. But this game actually scared me. I was, um, like, afraid to turn around corners and all kinds of stuff like that. Um So basically, you know, it's a game where you play eight different people. Um, This traumatic event happened to these two sisters um, at the very beginning of the game a year ago from when you play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this psycho, supposedly, quote unquote, uh, terrorizing (laughs) everybody. It's all spooky. The cabin's dark. It's snowy. There's a forest. There's some, there's some horny teens. Yep. Constantly making very, sex jokes. Ooh. Very horny. <laughs> this game is very horny. It really is. Um, <laughs> you get monked a lot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, you make decisions. Um, and you also have to respond to, like, quick time events. Like, it'll be like, press the square button within one second or you're going to fall down. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, it was developed by Supermassive Games. Uh, and again, it's pretty cool. Um, I just sat and played it constantly, played it with all the lights out. Um, mm-hmm. I really wanted, like, Eli, for example, to sit and watch me because it feels like a movie to me. Um, yeah, more me than a game. Because it, there's a bunch of, like, preset camera angles and stuff. Right. And it's very, like, deliberately cinematic in that way. And I actually really appreciated that about it. Like, it was, I felt like a treat to watch in that way. Um, yeah. Because it, 
felt like I was actually watching something and creating a movie of sorts instead of just mm-hmm. kind of like sitting back and just playing a predetermined linear plot thing. So that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how they characterized everybody in the game. Um, I think I actually really like Mike. I don't relate to Mike at all, but I like him. Mm. He's pretty cool. Um, do you want to? Do you want to be like Mike? No. <laughs> Thank you for the joke, Ryan. I've seen that movie like eight times. Just saying. <laughs> I watched all the dumb movies too many times. That's okay. <laughs> um. But I also think it's cool how they uh, instituted a lot of, like, motion capture in that game. Right. So it felt like real people interacting and moving. And one of the more interesting things I thought was that there were actually, like, actors and actresses. um, Because normally when you come across video games, the face model is not the same as who voices them. Right. Whereas it was in this game. They were straight actors. Main character is Hayden Panettiere. Yep. And then you have Peter Stormare as weird therapist dude just yep. yelling at you. <laughs> Dr. Hill. Great. Dr. A.J. Yeah. Hill. That was pretty intense. And um, I don't know. I thought it was cool as a Native American that they had yeah. the Wendigos. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's monsters in this horror game. There are. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I thought that it was really cool because they very much nodded to the fact that the Wendigos are Native American legend. Um, mm-hmm. They kept in like the totems and stuff. And I thought it was a very respectful way of including it and like saying that here is this folklore without being like, I don't know, instead of just taking the monsters without any background, without any allusion to where they came from. I thought mm-hmm. that was neat. So I was like, good job, fam. Um, what did you think of the totem poles helping you predict the future, though? Okay, what? so sometimes they were like, <laughs> I, I kind of was like, maybe the characters should react to what they're seeing in these things. Because they yeah, just kind of exactly. like, they pick up the totem, have like this <laughs> really intense vision of people dying, like burning up, getting heads smashed, all kinds of stuff. And then they just set it down. Don't like, say whatever. anything. Continue on their merry way. <laughs> so I was like, maybe they should say something. Maybe they should be yeah. like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Um, And then other times, uh, I didn't know what they were referencing because like by the time that I would understand what it was like, trying to guide me to i had already made a decision so for example i shot emily um oh no you did (laughs) i did oh you monster i know and you get an achievement for that only 15 percent of players did that gee is emily like best girl or something no. No. I okay. Hate her. Here's the thing with Emily is the she gets bit by a Wendigo, okay. and then all the shitty kids are like, "Yo, what if she's infected?" Even though the dude told you like ten minutes earlier that you don't get infected uh, yep. by bites, so yep. <laughs> you have the cho- you have the choice to shoot her, and everybody's all for it. And then afterwards you read the dude's book on the wendigo and it says you don't get infected by biting and if you shoot her she's just dead yeah and then if you don't shoot her she gets really mad understandably so 
<laughs> uh, I totally you're, shot you're, her. You're a monster. I know. I actually felt really bad afterwards, and I like set the game. Well, down yeah, you like, killed her. I know. I turned off the game, and I was like, Eli, please return this. I don't want the game. <laughs> it's, it's corrupted. It's corrupted. I can't take it. Because you can't reload a save. You can't go back. Once you do your thing, it's done. Like yeah. Um, you if you want to go back and restart, you have to start the entire game over again, and that seems pretty close to the end there. So I was like, well, yeah. I did that. There she go. <laughs> but I was like, it's a safe house because. Eli and Matt were both watching me play, and I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And they were like, don't shoot her. And I was like, I don't know, man. It's the safe house. You had friends behind you telling you not to shoot this woman, and you still did it. I was like, it's the safe house. We got to be safe. And it was like literally probably the last millisecond is when I like moved the stick over to shoot her because I didn't have the thing on her. Then It was like at the very end. I was like, oh, no. So... That happened. She's gone. I hated her anyway. She was <sighs> a b-hole, but, you know. God. I'm so disappointed in her. <laughs> <laughs> As someone whose only experience um, knowing about this game is hearing games people talk about it, and uh, a lot of the internet, I don't, I could never tell if it was just like sexism or if it's valid somewhere that people hate Emily. Uh, oh, she's just... just really mean for no okay, reason. Okay, right. Because I always think of there's like she's. A... I mean, I I don't have a problem with her, but the ways that people lash out on her character are very misogynist. Right. That's yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think that's that's the proper criticism. Because uh, uh, I don't particularly like her at all either. Um, but I think the way that people go about characterizing her is problematic. Yeah. You're telling me that this Kotaku article, uh, it's a Kotaku article called Emily, who is the worst, deserves to die in Until Dawn. Is uh, uncool. <laughs> Probably, I don't I'm, think anyone deserves maybe. to die. I'm, I'm more, I'm more, yeah, I'm more talking about people who are just like she's a loud yeah. ass bitch. And that's what I've like heard, that. and that stuff yep. sounds not cool. Um, yeah. As someone who doesn't play a lot of games, this sounds like a way for me to be like, oh, I, like I play like two games, <laughs> and this yeah. is the one that I, I've been interested in for a while. It looks very up my alley. It's a good like, yeah, it's a good like have some friends over and. You know, turn off the lights mm -hmm. and have a good time sort of thing. Yep. Kentucky Route Zero is that if you don't have friends, which is me. So oh, I guess I'll oh just play that God. in the dark at night. I still need to play that. You do? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it until you've played it. Yeah. One other thing I did want to briefly mention is that I think it actually does a very great job of portraying psychosis, but also does a horrible job with how people handle somebody who is psychotic mm. so oh right quote unquote oh, right. full oh, mental right. jacket i remember that now yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds interesting yep yeah uh so every podcast episode i seem to watch a movie that i really like in between and i guess this time it's Black Swan, the Darren Aronofsky movie, uh, starring Natalie Portman. Uh, I really like it because it it deals in similar themes that some Lynch stuff does, and I know we talked about David Lynch last time, uh, but it does the thing that Fire Walk with Me does, where it uh, you know has this 
woman character and it's kind of examining uh the ways that society kind of oppresses women and i you know it's i don't know where it ranks compared to david lynch stuff i didn't really i didn't think about that too much but um lynch does this thing where uh sometimes in his movies his stuff like borderlines objectification um just like in terms of like sex scenes and you know people taking sexual advantages of the characters and stuff like that uh and i think black swan straddles that line a little bit more respectively um and just a lot of it deals with like you know anxiety and the pressures we put on women um and just you know growing up and you know being dumped into this world and how you know people take advantage of women and stuff like that um I just thought it was really well done. It's very psychological horror y, uh, especially towards the end as uh, stuff builds up. And uh, I cried at the end, which I can't remember the last time that actually happened uh, to me when I watched a movie. But uh, yeah, Black Swan is a good movie, I think. Nice. Have you seen um, Requiem for, for a Dream? I, okay, so I saw it uh, years ago. Right. Um, I probably should rewatch it because it's been a while. I also rewatched it on like whatever Sony's streaming service was, and they put like ads in it, which is what? not like an ideal way to watch a movie, especially, especially that, that movie. One. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so I do need to rewatch that at some point. Um, but yeah, I really like Black Swan a lot. Uh, so that's my movie checkup. <laughs> I think that's the one Aronofsky movie that I still. I'm definitely interested in because I remember I was like mm. that was my film nerd couple of years was when that came out and I almost ended up seeing it but uh it was like still in theaters so I wasn't I didn't have like a group of people that wanted to go but like it looks really interesting I love Aronofsky's like visual style yeah. um mm-hmm. I think didn't he like have us he was working on um the Wolverine movie the 2013 one and then got taken off of it and I feel like he could have use that like directorial style oh, to make man. that movie a lot more interesting than it was oh that's weird yeah yeah because that movie's fine but yeah. like imagine an aronofsky marvel film oh my goodness that would be weird yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of cool visual stuff and a lot of weird body horror as well there's like a thing yeah, involving that's what nails right something with nails yep then the skin on the finger thing oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. What's okay? Here's a question for my friends of the Fireside Mm -hmm. variety. What Uh is the like body part where when you see stuff of it, you just can't take it? Is there a particular one for y'all? I don't really like scabs. I know that sounds weird, but like I can handle gore all day. But as soon as I see a scab, I'm like, "Mm -mm." oh, like ripping a piece of like that scabbed skin. You mean like that kind of thing? Yeah, just anywhere. Um, like body parts don't tend to bother me, other than just like the scabs. Hmm. Anything with eyes. Like, yep. the end of The Lobster, I barely watched. I was like, no! <laughs> uh, anything with eyes is bad, is bad news. I got, ri- like, I got rid of my contacts. I hated touching my eyes every day. This is funny, but I used to have a thing with eyes, and then because of um, one of the Final Destination movies, <laughs> I think it's the latest one, like the fifth one, uh, has one of those, like, person goes through laser eye surgery, and then the laser moves, and whoops, it's going to just laser your whole eye off. Uh, oh, this see, like Dead Space Two sort of deal. Yes. What's up, Katie? <laughs> I said because that's what happens in real life. Right. That's exactly how it goes. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's like genitalia specifically for me. Do it. I don't know. I don't. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah, that's I haven't been exposed to much of that, so right. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to be on those corners of the internet or or cinema, I guess. Uh, what's that? <laughs> Antichrist with Willem Dafoe. If you want to get, you see Willem Dafoe get his uh, genitals hit with a hammer. Yeah, that's a movie. I'm okay. You're gonna, you don't, right. don't want to watch that. You're not interested. <laughs> I watched like half of Teeth. Ah, uh, uh, see, I can't watch Teeth. <laughs> I won't watch Teeth. Thanks. D- also, yeah, did you see that movie's, movie's bad? Super- I didn't like it's like I don't know if I want to get into it. It has a super abstinence sort of thing going yeah. on where it's just uh, like you should be ab- and I can't tell if it's a parody or not. Uh I didn't finish the movie, so what what do I know? Fair enough. Alan, what have you been up to? Can we talk about gender roles for a second? Always I'm every down. day <laughs> you're talking to me. <laughs> Constantly and exclusively. Um I want to start by bringing up that I literally came from the uh, right before this. I actually, for the first time in my life, I got a pedicure. <laughs> nice. Which, I've never actually gotten a. What's the difference between a manicure and a pedicure? I'm a bad trans. Manic- pedicure are your feet. <laughs> manicure is your hands. Okay, so you got a pedicure. Yes. Uh, because okay. well, so I I don't know if this is because or just you know I was in the area, but like I have a wedding tomorrow to go to, uh, and. My mom was like, I'm getting this done and you should probably get it done. And, and uh, I don't know, like I, they've, my mom and my sister have recommended this to me before, but I was telling Ryan this, like, there's just this shitty, like masculine expectation that you shouldn't take care of your feet and nails. Like, that's just something you don't take care of, which is horrible. I mean, I mean, I mean, you clip them. Yeah, of course, but it. you don't like treat yourself with them. Like you don't pamper yourself ever is, yeah. is the expectation. That's because boys got to be dirty and gross and tough supposedly Uh so and i but i never but like i've already never felt like a super masculine kind of person so that's just like well neither way really worked for me like trying to be masculine or trying to like i don't know i've been my gender is complicated but (laughs) point Mm -hmm. is i finally bit the bullet and did it and it's so like it's the best thing it feels like i've been cheated out of an experience that i could have had in my life for so long because you just <laughs> you you get to sit in like the best massage chair ever, and yep. uh, it just kicks you in the back a lot. And then you put your feet in this like nice like warm, clean water, and then a nice lady like touches your feet and like cuts your nails and and like files them, and then puts like cool creams and oils on your feet. And it's just it's like really nice. There's something like incredibly tactile and lovely about it. And I'm just like, oh my god, I wish I had had done this earlier. This is so good. <laughs> Pampering. I yeah. agree. I. I kind of feel, I did my nails recently and they're yes like they look fantastic of, yeah they do thank you they're like a kind of darker blue uh, uh I like looking at them and not, like it's not boring to look at my hand anymore because when you don't do your nails it's just like there's a hand but now there's blue on my fingers and it looks cool and like she asked me at the end she was like oh because they don't care they're just like oh do you want us to paint your nails and I was like ah. <laughs> I'm so close. Um, I will say, though, that for, like, in our corner of the world, it's like, oh, this is a great thing. Like, you're really good. I won't call any names out, but, like, I told a friend that I was doing this, and they were like, oh, that sounds great. I'm way too afraid to do that. And I was like, why? Mm. And they said the worst thing ever, which was, I'm afraid I'll like it, which is like, uh, oh, man. Come on. That is such a bummer. Yeah, exactly. Close. Close. That's so far away. So close. And I was like, just try it once. They're like, no, I'm never going to try because what if I, what if I'm way into it? I'm like, that's not a reason not to do something. That's not a Man. bad thing. That's right. literally that's the point bummer. of pedicures. You're supposed to enjoy them. 
because they're not even do like they're doing a lot obviously a lot of like small stuff but it's just like oh this feels nice there are not i don't like go and pay someone to do things that just make me feel nice very often um yeah, yeah. Treat and then yourself. exactly treat fuck yourself gender. treat yourself and also fuck gender yes basically <laughs> uh speaking of uh fuck gender i've been reading a comic book but up up Okay. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't right. that doesn't make sense inherently. Uh, I've been reading an no. indie comic book called Sex Criminals recently. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually been reading it since it launched back in 2014, uh, but I stopped for a while. And then recently, now that I have uh, income, I've been like, oh, what are the series that I want to, you know, catch back up on? And I was only apparently like only like two or three issues had come out since I stopped. Um, Sex Criminals is a comic uh, written by Matt Fraction and drawn by this person uh, Chip Zdarsky and. Uh, it's about these two people uh, named John and Susie, and they're dating, and they discover, uh, and this is the reason they start dating, is they find out that the two of them, uh, when they orgasm, stop time. Um, okay. Wh- okay. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had that power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be uh, cool. And so, uh, at first, they're like, whoa, this is weird, and like it's kind of just their relationship and them being cute, and it's very funny. The comic in general is like hysterical. Um but in a very like honest way and after a while they're kind of like oh um we need money because Susie runs a like independent bookstore that's not getting funded so they start robbing banks they freeze time and then rob banks they have sex outside the bank and then basically the amount of time throat like the amount of time that time stays frozen is equivalent to their refractory period so they have like a couple minutes to you know go take what they need to it's kind of like a Robin Hood story early on um and I liked it at first because 2014 Alan was like, this is cool. This is sex positive. I like it. And it really is. Um, but my problem with early sex criminals was like, it's about like a really just like generic hetero relationship. And it's like not very diverse, even though it's about sex, which can be like inherently really interesting and diverse if they, mm-hmm. if they explore it. Um, and since then, like basically from like the second volume onward, they've like started including uh, different people of color and different sexualities, homosexual, asexual. There's a whole cam- uh, comic about an asexual character who's like super cool. And it's like incredibly well handled. Um, like they did a lot of research and like talked to, to uh, experts in, in sex and sexuality when writing this stuff. Uh, and it's not, it never just feels like lip service. Like the asexual character like is uh, an advantage on their sort of like robbery team because they don't actually have to, you know, be with someone else to experience pleasure. Um, and that uh, that's, like, my favorite character so far. And they haven't gone super deep into, like, what they're going to do with the whole crew now. But um, it's really, like, inviting. And uh, at some point in all of it, like, because I also, I've been reading it by the issue, which I kind of recommend if you can afford it, just because uh, the letters column is really, really great. Um, it's a mm-hmm. lot of people talking about, like, their history with pornography and their own sexuality. Um and then lately, it's been a lot of people being like, I'm so happy you brought this character and they represent exactly how I feel. And now there's a comic that makes me feel validated. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Which is, uh, yeah, exactly. Like every every month, they just get bombarded with letters of people being like, you have made me so happy. This comic is great. Um, and it's like super, de- like <laughs> it's beautiful. Like they uh, the way they represent um, being in, it's called The Quiet, which is the like time frozen period uh, is like through a lot of like pastels and pinks and blues in like whites, you know, uh, just like colors swirling all over the place. Like it, ugh, the art style is amazing. Um, Matt Fraction actually uh, is a big idol for me because 
both like the way he presents himself and the things that he likes and also just like his life is something I've always wanted to aspire to be because he's really um, cool and has an interesting like history with with comics and with writing um, and like him there's like four or five indie comics writers that I uh, look up to in a big way it's like him it's uh, Brian K. Vaughn Kieran Gillen uh, and Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's Matt Fraction's partner, actually. Um, they're all really good, and they're all doing really good stuff right now, both, like, for big publishers like Marvel and then also with Image, which is where Sex Criminals is published. Um, it's a good time, is what I'm saying. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds awesome. I need to, yeah, I need to, I need, you make, every time I talk to you, I'm just like, I need to, I need to go back, I need to finish Gemini Holograms before Volume 3 comes out, I need to read more Wicked and the Divine. Uh, and this sounds like something I also want to read at some point. I like, yes, I like this a little bit more than Wicked and the Divine because I just think, I though Wicked and the Divine is like, hey, music's amazing. And so is like being queer and cool. All that stuff is good. But like Sex Criminals is just my type of humor in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they're both amazing and people should read both of those comics. They're really good. Gem and the Holograms is my favorite. I got to get, I, I got to get to the that first one. issue. <gasps> Have you read it? Not yet, no, because I have a huge okay. backlog of comics. But yeah, it was inspired by you, Ryan. I saw hey. your post. Okay, yeah, that comic makes me really happy. It's just a fun, it's just a fun time. Uh, have y'all? Yeah, what you know, Brian Lee O'Malley, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. yeah, homie started a new comic series that's been running for a couple issues. Wait, oh, what? Really? It's called Snot Girl, and it looks amazing. I haven't heard I of that. Know I know. I just started like there was like a weird indie corner of Twitter was talking about it, and it's another image release. It's in like it's like three issues in. Uh, oh, weird. Just look up. It's one word. Snot girl. The art is by this person Leslie Hung, and Brian Lee O'Malley writes it, and it looks it looks kind of anime or, or manga actually uh, esque, mm-hmm. just based on the covers. And it's like a cute girl with green hair, and she's got like snot, and I don't even know what the whole situation is. But I bought the first <laughs> issue. I bought the first issue because I saw Brian Lee O'Malley, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> seconds was great scott pilgrim was kind of okay pretty sometimes great you know <laughs> the movie was amazing yeah yeah so yeah comics are good yeah is that gonna be all before we take a quick break Hell yeah. i think so all right we'll be right back
In our running tradition of talking about anime, our show experience this episode is the 2006 film Paprika, directed by Satoshi Kon. Uh, I will throw it over to Alan. Uh, what do you think of this movie, Alan? Uh, I'll say that when I recommended this, it was kind of like we were just kind of not last minute. I think we were on top of things this episode. We were like, what should we want? I want to watch something. And I immediately was like, I want to watch an anime film. And then I just started racking my brain for like, what are some anime film classics that are not Miyazaki that uh, I haven't seen yet and I want to discuss? And immediately my brain went to Satoshi Kon. Both, it was either this or Tokyo Godfather is his previous film. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really glad we watched this because holy crap, I thought this movie was a spectacle. Um, I mm-hmm. thought it was absolutely gorgeous. Maybe one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen, like uh, from an aesthetic choice. Uh, it's just... It's big, it's loud, it's um, it really portrays dreams and dream logic in a way that I actually like, as opposed to a lot of other films that have tried to do dream logic. Um, we're going to talk about Inception at some point, because I think Christopher Nolan has at some, at some point straight up said that in a lot of ways his script for Inception was inspired by this film. Uh, but like right off the bat, mm-hmm. the beginning of this movie is just like, hey, uh, here's what's going on, we're, go- we're into it, here's the adventure you know like it doesn't have to do the american film thing of like here's all the characters here's their motivations you know like right. here's how the here's the how the mechanics of the dream jumping works it just it lets you in and doesn't let go it's, until the last second and it's just it, it's very tight yes and it's like all of this is like less than an hour and a half like barely an hour 30 mm-hmm. uh beautiful from start to finish agree what about you katie uh, I love this movie, and the first time I watched it was actually several years ago, probably back around 2013. Um, so when Alan was like, "Hey, what about Paprika?" I was like, "Oh, let's do it!" Because let me say, this movie has got the content, and uh, it also hmm. has one of my favorite soundtracks as a whole um, out of any movie I've ever watched ever. Because it's a soundtrack that I actually went out and purchased on iTunes, which I typically do not do. Um, and part of that's because it is unique in that it like features Vocaloids um, for their a lot of the tracks. Um, and specifically, they use Lola. Um, but basically, like being the anime fan, um, I rewatched it uh, for the podcast. And the first time I watched it, I watched the dub. Um, which was not too bad, actually. Um, but watching it this time, I didn't time even around, know there was a dub. Yeah. Um, I watched the sub this time, and uh, I remember thinking, like, I don't know, there was like certain scenes, um, where I was like, maybe they got the translation wrong here. Um, but no, they totally <laughs> didn't. They just say completely nonsensical stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So that was, I don't know. I, I also, like you said, Alan, I think that the um, dream logic is on point because it really feels like a dream to me whenever I'm watching it because it's, like, basically how I dream. Um, yeah. You know, the same kinds of, like, switching scenes really quickly and, like, it making complete sense to me at the time and just, like, saying things that are strange but still make sense to you for some reason. And I don't know. Um I also really appreciated how, like, in the movie, dreams and reality would be difficult to distinguish. Um, 
and then near the end where it like actually merges together um i thought that was super cool um and especially how like the alter ego thing came into play oh right um (laughs) i thought that was really interesting as well um just because of like how they portrayed um both paprika and chiba um I don't know. Chiba's the detective, right? Sorry. Chiba's the the. uh, Oh no, the 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 alter ego. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. Um. All good. But yeah. Um. I thought the characters were all like, really bright, and I loved Paprika's hairstyle. I know that's like a weird thing to, uh, (laughs) fixate on, but. She's cute as heck. She is. Um. And it's just so. I don't know. It's it is like a parade, (laughs) you know. (laughs) <laughs> um, just with all the colors and the visuals, it's a really it's a treat for me to watch, and I especially like the psychological aspect to it. So, Ryan, I know you were le- were you like slightly less hot on it than I was. I'm curious. I think I am slightly less hot on it than anyone I've seen talk about it. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I mean, I know it's <laughs> I know it's fine. Um, but uh, like I understand why people like this movie. For me, I wasn't really interested in the dream stuff particularly. Um, the stuff that I was most interested in this movie was uh, comparing dreams to movies and just like art in general and dreams as like escapism, but also like a form of therapy. Like, I feel like they're hinting at really good like cool ideas there and i really wish they explored that more because that's uh because when i think about this movie that's the stuff that i think about the most and uh that's the stuff that i gravitated towards and i don't really feel like there was enough of that for me um so that's why i was kind of cold on it i love films that are about movies and about other cinema um, I haven't seen The Artist, but, like, if people have seen Hugo, that's another similar, like, movie about movies. Um, and uh, there's a ton I can't think of off the top of my head. But, like, I think that was maybe my favorite scene of the film was when they're in the movie theater. And uh, Paprika's talking to the t- detective. And he's explaining the concept of, like, uh, sight lines. And how if you cut mm-hmm. across the sight line, then it is an awkward cut. Like, that was just weirdly, right. like, oh, whoa. Like, they totally get it. They aren't just paying lip service to movies, but like this is a movie about movies in a way and about the way that we interpret cinema and stuff like and how it's created. Uh, yeah, c- because honestly, I was interested more in the detective story than I was the main plot. Like, I wish the detective plot was the A plot yeah, uh, of this movie. You know, me too, actually. Um, that's how I felt the second time I went back and watched it. Um because when the first time I watched it, I was mostly interested in the namesake, Paprika. Yeah. Um, and just like her story and who she was and stuff like that. But the second time I watched it, I was um definitely like I wish they would have gone more into the background of the detective, because that's who we started out with, you know. Like, right. This and that's is... what the movie ends on too. Yep. It's, so it yeah. feels interesting that they didn't like delve into his story more. I um, I think the rest of the, the other plot, which we're just going to say it is like um, the guy who created the dream system, the uh, very charming uh, large character. I, I liked him a lot. I feel like the, them making fun of his weight was like not cool. I didn't like really yeah. like people Me being too. like, oh, you're fat. You pre- masturbate. And all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was pretty uncomfortable with uh, that stuff. That was like weirdly out of touch for the rest of the movie being like so fun. It's like every time they make fun of him and dunk on him like for his weight, I'm just like, oh, come on. He created the dream thing. Like what? And it, that yeah. like severely bumped me out just because for various reasons. But like uh, the A plot is about like him and his his friend, I guess. Uh, and his friend like is trying to I don't even I didn't even fully get all of that. Like he's jumping between dreams and he like stole some stuff and he's messing up the dreams. Yeah. But then it was actually uh, Professor Xavier. I forgot the villain of this movie <laughs> is totally. He's called the chairman, which is actually yeah, because he's a chairman because he's, he is in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> as soon yeah. as I realized that, I was like, that's dumb in a cool way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like really silly. Uh, and he's like, I wanted all of the dream. I, I think his whole thing is like the dream invasion technology is like one step too far for science. Like we weren't supposed to go down right. this frontier. Um, but I like disagree with that. So I was like on a fundamental level, I don't like where this villain is going. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, with the detective being like going into his into his head and talking about like the person that he was chasing as a kid and then like almost let die. And playing that scene over and over again where the person falls down. That, that I, You're absolutely right. I would have preferred a movie that was just that. I think, the, honestly, though, like, to defend it, the rest of the movie is sort of, like, taking you on a journey. Like, that is a story where the rest of it is just, like, a scenic tour, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I just... For me, the main plot was a little too video gamey for me. Yeah. Uh, just the way that the reveal happens where uh, it turns out that the chairman wants control over people's dreams and he turns into like a giant version of himself, basically like that's all that felt so video game. And the thing that made me gravitate towards uh, the detective stuff was like I said, like using dreams uh, as an analog for art and therapy like the whole plot is just him unpacking his anxiety uh, over his friend who passed away and that stuff is fascinating and i wish the movie was just about that uh because i'm very interested in like obviously like anxiety stuff is something i deal with and like a whole movie just about that would have been amazing i definitely do agree um because like me personally, I have like dreams that are often related to like traumatic experiences that I've been through. Um, and when I wake up, I'm like really uncomfortable, uh, even if the dream wasn't necessarily bad. And I'm like, I wonder why the dream was the way that it was and like what that means about what I'm going through. So I think it would be really cool mm-hmm. to have therapy like that too, just to unpack things and be like, you know. Here's what's happening, fam. Here's how you fix it. Yeah, because the rest of it isn't about the therapy. It's more just like, here's a fun adventure, which is fine. Uh, Again, it would have hit me more if they emphasized uh, the mental health aspects of it a little bit more. Um, I, Katie, you mentioned earlier that you really liked following the paprika plot. I probably would have even preferred more of that because I believe it's with her that there's that scene after the movie theater uh, the thing is, like, this movie progresses really weirdly because the way that it, like, it doesn't, again, do the, like, Inception thing where it's like, all right, we are now pulling out one layer out into the real world. It just will cut. And this is, again, kind of t- talking about how, like, it relates to f- cinema. 
the way that they transition from dreams to other dreams is just through cutting. They never do like a, we're going in. Like you never see the helmets or whatever, the little like wireless headsets doing their thing, which I think is a really right. smart decision. Uh, but because of that, it leads to the film feeling like it's a bunch of scenes that just kind of happen. Like there isn't a lot of like through line. Um, but there's, I like that aspect of it. Though. Right. I know. I totally, it's, it's like very cool and it doesn't waste any time with getting anywhere. It's just like, and now we're here, this is fine. And we're just moving mm-hmm. on. Uh, but there's a scene where uh, she's like on a table and uh, the shitty guy who in the first right. scene or whatever, when they're in the car, she's like, he seems really interesting and mysterious. And then it's like, nope, he's a toilet boy and he works for Professor Xavier. Uh, is That was really fucked up. And he's like pulling the skin off. like, But it, like, it's like, yeah. you know, the other woman inside of, of Paprika. Uh, yep. Because she, you know, like if we're going to talk about Paprika as a character. Whoops, sorry. If we're going to talk about Paprika as a character, um, her just as Paprika, the the persona, not the person that is her in the real world, uh, almost feels like it's like an anime trope of like the magical girl, like the one girl uh, who's like ultimately powerful and like this kind of like cool impish, like, you know, mysterious, like chases people around and like does magic stuff. Um Mm-hmm. But then to like reveal that like you are also the same person who is the scientist in the real world and who has like this trauma and uh, this relationship to men and this kind of thing uh, gave her a lot of dimension that I appreciated. Like she wasn't just a one note magical lady, you know? Yep. Hmm. I think the first time I watched it, I also saw a um, censored version. Um, because the second time okay. I watched it, there were a lot of things that happened and I was like, I do not remember that. So <laughs> that was interesting. Particularly like aspects of the, the table scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. There's like, straight up nudity later in the movie. Yep. Yep. Which is interesting. Ryan, you were saying you don't necessarily agree with what I was saying. Let's fight, Ryan. Let's I, I, fight. <laughs> yeah, let's. There's not enough fighting on this podcast. We, we always agree with each other. I, I don't. I don't see it with the character. I didn't think. Instead of her being a one no character, she's a two no character, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but I really liked uh, the second the, note. I thought the second note was interesting. But where where was the like trauma and stuff you were talking well, no, about? Well, no, I just I don't remember. That. I more no, I think the character is just cool. Like I like the outside persona of Paprika. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Chiba. Chiba. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's like good. She's like a good anime protagonist. Uh, and the yes, there's yeah. I don't know. It's a dad. It it's at least like Satoshi Kon. There's like not a lot of stuff that is like inherently anime misogynist about this movie you know similar to mm-hmm. miyazaki he actually like respects women and thinks that they're like very powerful and cool which i like right. um mm-hmm. and so that's more what i'm getting at is like well at least it's good and it's not terrible or it's like fine instead of terrible and i know that's not a good standard to hold anything to but <laughs> uh i don't know there's like so much visually about this movie that like has stuck with me like the robot tearing through the streets like a freaking kaiju uh and then like getting turned around and, and run into a wall um <laughs> the parade of frogs clapping uh lots and lot and this gets back to like this feels like stuff that i've had dreams about but like things getting squished into other things like yes. putting, putting your hand through a wall and then it falls through or like putting your face into someone's stomach and then it melts into it that is like something i've totally dreamed about and not in like a like you know wistful way but just like that's come up in dreams of mine before and i don't know what that means but um 
again as a movie that's that, the thing like, yeah as a movie that features characters that are trying to figure out what's going on in their dreams and like diagnosing that it was good for me to be like oh like other people feel this too you know like that's not just a thing that was in my head <laughs> i guess this is where the problem with this movie uh is with me is that i felt like it was too much visual and not enough substance uh substance content and like themes behind it uh so that's understandable because like again going back to like paprika her as like a character like i don't know if i don't know her as a character as much as i do the detective but i think she's supposed to have an air of mystery to her yeah yeah but but then it makes the for me it makes the rest of the movie uh insubstantial because i don't have that investment in the character i guess it's yeah i think it's also weird that they i I almost don't think that they should have named the movie paprika because there's so much else going on that it's like i don't feel like she was the main main character i don't know how you feel Mm -hmm. about that though Mm. um also we have to talk about the ending we're just we've gotten to the point where we have to talk about the last scene uh, this movie nails the landing. It's yeah, I think us. so too. Yeah. I like everything yeah. is building and building and building, and then they're like, "All right, we're all fine, everything's good." And then the detective is like, "I'm gonna go see a movie," and he goes yep. to see uh, what is it called? Something, something, kids, That's dreaming kids, dreaming kids. Here's why that part made me cry afterwards. While I was watching it, I was mm-hmm. like, "Wow, dreaming kids looks great." As the detective is walking into the movie theater, he walks by several other movie posters. Um, each of those is in chronological order. The rest of the filmography of Satoshi Kon. So like Tokyo Godfathers, right. uh, Millennium Girl, I think is one of them. Yes. No, Millennium Princess and Perfect Blue. Like all of those. Um, Dreaming Kids was going to be his next movie, but he died before, right after making Paprika. Oh, man. So it's like that character walking into like the infinite unknown being like, ah, this was the movie I was going to make. And he says like, I heard it was a really good movie. It like got good reviews. And it never came to be. We never got to see Dreaming Kids. That that seriously, that made me cry a lot. I was like, that is so... Oh. I needed that. I wanted to just be like, oh, and now I can go... Because there's something satisfying about it being his movies. It makes it feel very personal. Even though it is technically right. an adaptation of a book. It's like, no, this is still Satoshi Kon's film. Uh, and it's about his filmography and all of this stuff and his views on film. And then to have it end on like, hey, here's a cool movie I'm going to work on. Like the other real films that are in this movie. And it never came out. And I always, that stuff makes me, like the stuff that artists were going to work on and then they stopped for whatever reason, uh, it always, like, that breaks my heart so much. That's actually Uh, what I thought you were going to say when you, like, briefly brought up that you were going to have some trivia. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I love the, I like the ending because uh, it gets back to the theme of just, like, uh, art and how we use it as a coping mechanism and stuff like that because like from the word go they immediately compare dreams to movies and stuff like that um and so to have this big adventure uh and then have it to end on i'm just gonna go see a movie um and kind of you know just forget about everything else that just happened and then close myself in a piece of art that is that's why i like the ending is just like you know um after the whole dream thing, I'm going to go uh, go see a movie and maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll, you know, uh, because that's why I, you know, watch movies, play video games and stuff is that kind of right. uh, 
emotional escape or just like that sort of therapy and stuff and so uh that is what resonated uh the most uh, with the ending for me it is exactly it like zooms in one more time and says hey you the viewer watching this i hope this made you feel good and helped you forget the problems in your life and now our character is going to do the same thing with another film like it, it closes the loop perfectly um I thought I, so too. As a last work of a great director, that's like an, um, that's actually a really impressive note to end on. Um, I <laughs> I agree. I real quickly, just as like a goof, Katie, you're talking about how you saw the dub and you thought it was really like maybe they were mistranslating parts. Um, I watched the sub because I was the only one that was on Amazon, and like the the characters that are like inside of their dreams and are messed up or whatever, they talk mm-hmm. gibberish when they're like yep. outside. And I was reading that, and I'm like, am I? Because sometimes when I read subtitles in anime, I feel like I'm not keeping up fast enough. And I'm like, oh, am I not paying attention? Did I miss? Why are they talking about like all of this silly stuff? And then they all smile and kind of look and someone's like, oh, that person's not here. I'm like, oh, yep. I'm not missing anything. They're just talking nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Just like, is this movie broken? Nope. I'm just, <laughs> they're just, they're just going places. Yep. Um, that's exactly what happened with me. Yep. <laughs> a fun one for sure i'm really glad we watched it i i know we didn't all equally love it but it was definitely an interesting journey again i didn't hate it you know well that's good <laughs> yeah like i didn't I'm, I'm not gonna come in here and be like you know like how i feel about deadpool which is like oh this movie was like a waste of everybody's time or whatever <laughs> you know yeah, kind of you're uh, right it, I, it's worth watching it's you know i've definitely thought about it for a little bit afterwards and there's definitely stuff to be taken from it um it just didn't resonate with me uh, the way it does with you guys, and that's fine. It is definitely a like movie that you're gonna see a lot of references to if you watch other anime that comes out now. Like a lot of people like respect and love Cone's animation style, which we haven't really talked about. But like, I've been watching other like anime television shows lately, and that stuff all animates in a relatively similar way. Um, I don't know enough about animation to describe like, the, the difference, but it's more like static in television shows. Uh, but mm-hmm. with this film, it's like super, like fluid, like water almost. Um, mm-hmm. In a way that sometimes Miyazaki is, and sometimes his work is not. Like there's just something like really, there's like a lot of texture to all of the of the stuff, and a lot of like specific light colors and movement that feels like it's running at almost like a weirdly high frame rate. That's like adds to the whole dreamy vibe um, of all the stuff. Is is that like way that it's animated? very impressive definitely a movie to watch if you haven't if you're like listening to this and you don't know if you actually want to watch it i think at least give it a look watch the trailer or something aesthetic watch 2016 (laughs) is that gonna be it for our little discussion here i think so i think so all right uh do we get any questions i don't think we did let me check Someone said, our friend Jackson said Paprikast. <laughs> Sorry, joking on that joke. And this concludes Paprika Explained. <laughs> Watch Mojo Explains Paprika 2016. God, no. 170 wacky facts about Paprika that your mom won't believe. <laughs> I'm gonna go make. I'm gonna go make the cinema sins of this movie. I ooh, it probably exists. It's like big enough. I don't know if they do older stuff. I don't care. <laughs> uh, There's a woman in it. Bleh. Bleh. 
That's my impression of Cinnamon Sins. Cinnamon Sins is actually with the... the... Cinnamon Sins. That's what... There's no Sins in Cinnamon, though. Cinnamon's kind of perfect. But there is Paprika. I just high-five myself mentally for that one, so we can call it here. <laughs> I'm oh, my God. I'm canceling this podcast. No. Uh, I... And on that note, let's go on to some housekeeping. I want to thank the people who shared the last episode. That includes Brenna and Shannon. If you want to send in questions for us to read, you can send them to us at firesidefriendspodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at podcastfireside. Uh, you can follow us and subscribe to us. I mean, hopefully you're subscribed if you're listening to, uh, listening to this, but uh, if you're not, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, we're on, we're, we're everywhere. And yeah, if you want to review us and tell a friend, about this podcast if you want to post it in the bulletin boards at your school uh if you want to give out business cards like we don't have our own business cards but like, if you want to make your own like bootleg fireside <laughs> business cards and give them out to people like, that's fine i mean I, I can't really pay for that myself but if you want to pay for that yourself and do that that's fine um and uh yeah we didn't have any guests uh, this time, just because scheduling was weird uh, this time. Uh, but we will try to get back on track as soon as we can with that. Uh, thanks to Brenna, Courtney, and Shannon uh, for guesting on the last three episodes. It's been a ton of fun uh, having different people on and stuff like that. And I uh, like having different voices and stuff on the podcast. Uh, is there anything uh, you guys want to plug real quick before we get out of here? Katie, you want to plug anything? How about you, Alan? Uh, I have a Twitter. I'm at Alan Ibrahim, A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. Um, and I guess if you ever watch the TV show Farscape and you're like, I want to hear a bunch of nerds talk about it, I do host another podcast called Scape Chats. It's found wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a lot of fun. We're recording the rest of it in person, and that's pretty cool. Uh, I have fun making it. <laughs> Not as much as I have fun doing Fireside Friends. This is a delight for me every two weeks. A little present uh, <laughs> we give ourselves here. Ryan? You can follow my gift to the world, <laughs> my Twitter account, uh, at Taco Detective, where I shitpost endlessly. Um, and I think that's it for plugs. And I think that concludes this episode of Fireside Friends. We did it. High five. Yes. Uh, yep. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alright, thank you everybody for listening. Good luck out there, and don't forget to take care of yourself. See you later. Bye.